Hello, I'm Ron Harnevo, and thanks for joining another episode of Accent. I guess you've noticed from my first sentence that I have an accent. Um, it's something that immediately stands out, almost to signal that I'm not from here, although I am. I live in New York for the past 10 years, but I'm also Israeli, that's true, um, which is where I grew up. It's my culture. And during the years, I realized I'm becoming a mixed bag of both, and it's a big part of my identity. I'm an entrepreneur with an accent. I'm also a father with an accent. And I'm now an internet CEO of Homies, which is a new platform only for people with accents. So that's what I'm going to do here. I'm going to dive to the life of successful foreign-born people. And I do it because I believe that behind every accent, there is such a deep and complex and a funny world. Two weeks ago, we launched Homies for French people in New York. So I'm obsessed with France lately. And everywhere I go in the city, speaking to French people, there's one name that pops up again and again and again. And it's the name of Daniel Boulou. Probably one of the most famous chefs in the city, but not only. He has restaurants in Boston, in Vegas, in Washington, in Miami, in Toronto, in Montreal, in London, in Singapore, you name it. Uh, but he's well, well known for one restaurant called Simply Daniel. His first one in the city, a two Michelin star restaurant. But the most important thing for me to start with is that you are French. Mais oui. Mais oui, oui. Thank you. Merci, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> and you're 62 and you're in New York for many, many years. Yeah, quite a while. Quite a while. But I actually want to start with asking you about your childhood in a village next to Lyon. Yes. What's the name of the place? Saint-Pierre-de-Chandieu. Um, in the 50s? Early 60s, 60s yeah, yeah, 60s. What was it like to grow up? It was beautiful. It was uh, back in France. I grew up near Lyon. And so near, Lyon is, has a lot to say about food. Mm -hmm. about kind of the capital of food of France, right? We are proud to say that we are the world capital of, okay. <laughs> <laughs> of gastronomy, <laughs> which gastronomy can contain restaurant, chef, but any other food trade who are sort of elevating their craft to the finest. And, um, and you grow up on food, right? I grew up on the farm, and a farm where today every chef dreamed to have a farm. Every chef dreamed to make cheese, and to grow vegetables, and raise livestock, and have chickens, and... Uh, And for me, that was my daily life. As a kid, uh, I would come back from school and help my parents milking the cows, cleaning the cows, uh, the goats. And, uh, and who and makes great food at the house? At the house, that was my grandmother because she was feeding the entire house okay. and the people helping at the farm. And my mother now and my sisters, of course, because we all grew up around. So we learn and we participate and we support. It's not a kibbutz, but it's kind <laughs> of a, you know, a village, a small village in France. It's about having the uncles, the cousins, the, yeah, the friends. Tribe. Yeah, the tribe. They all help each other for the field, the field work mostly. And then the homework is the family who help. Of course, the children, 
And when I read about you, it's like you decide to go into the food kind of, it's not a business, you're young, but in a very, very young age. So give me some color around how... So, of course, uh, school, I was in a small village. It was nice, but school was not a passion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so... I can relate to that. <laughs> and um, I think if I had been in a city, maybe that would have been a little different. The thing is, uh, I always had passion for, for cooking. And uh, as a kid helping my father driving tractors and and being very useful in the day-to-day of yeah. a farm job uh, after school, on vacations. I always liked the most to stick around the kitchen and be with my grandmother and help her cook and all that. And you mention her a lot in, in interviews as mm-hmm. a of source course, of inspiration, right? Of course, because it was really right? uh, the, the, my youth. And then... Um, at 14, I wanted to do an apprentissage where it was school and a professional kind of school and also practice. And I was very fortunate. You know, when you make beautiful things, you meet beautiful people. Sure. And um, my parents were making incredible cheese and we had, you know, fresh eggs. At home. Yeah, all kind of yeah. farm animals. and. Our neighbors will come, and we were doing the farmer's market every week, and we met cool. some wonderful, well-connected people, like the finest surgeon in town, the, uh, because they care about having ingredients from the farm. You yeah. know, they wanted the real thing. And uh, I met a contessa when I was very young, and she happened to buy a house in our village, but in the, in the area where we lived. Yeah. And she became a family friend, and I was always delivering eggs and milk and cheese and uh, to her house. And sometime I will be there to keep her company. And she was kind of a Renaissance lady. She was in her, I mean, she had gray hair, beautiful, very elegant. And she, she, she loved cars. She loved horses. And she was eating to all the best restaurants in Lyon and the region all the time, all the time. She was an amazing, good customer, drinking good wine and spending money. And was she taking you? Every restaurateur loved her and respected her and appreciated her. So my parents said to her, you know, we would love to help Daniel get into a good place because he wants to do cooking. But, uh, you know, we didn't know anybody in the restaurant business. And she said, well, I'll take care of it right away. She went to all the three star and the two star of the town. And one of them could take me within a month. Nice. Uh, the two star in Lyon, Nandron. And that's where I started at 14. So at 14. I, m- I moved to Lyon by myself and uh, was coming back home every weekend. Uh, I was living sort of in an uncle dance remote from their house, but at least, you know, I was okay to so be by myself. you're getting the best education in the world around food when you're 14, basically. I mean, I was surrounded by the greatest chef of Lyon every morning going to the market because the market, the food market was next door to the restaurant. Yeah. And as a kid, you know, you feel like the minute I worked in this business, I always felt I was in the right business, in the right place. You lived 
in a country that respects food, I would say more than anyone else. Absolutely, it's a part like of Japan, the, I think yeah, I would say. Yeah, I would and, agree. But you know, every country have amazing food. I mean, you go right. back. Uh, it's not like you know because there's young talent in Mexico, then Mexican food didn't, wasn't glamorous already. And, it takes time, and though. Like yeah. Israel was. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, we, the, the restaurants were horrible. And, yeah, and, and it evolved. But there were young talents starting yeah, to yeah. come in. Yeah, Start yeah. Young, but, but my my question is. How the hell do you leave France? Ah, so that is easy. Okay. <laughs> I think... Uh, Which is a very brave thing to the, do in the 70s. Like. Very much. But working for those great chefs, already Paul Bocuse, who mm. was, God bless his soul, he passed away yeah, not too long ago. And he was a very close friend and a very amazing mentor to me and supporter and close to his family and all that. And Paul Bocuse in the 60s already were traveling the world uh-huh. in Japan, in South America, in America, preaching French cuisine in a new way and exporting already is uh, sort of his community of talent in France to try to take them out and making a credible relationship. And so he had a vision of exporting uh, uh, French cuisine. Very much. And also being able to, to bring his cuisine to other countries rather than having the country to come. Uh, completely. It's, it's and so much. Than, and he got fascinated by the vision? Yeah. And so much than when he created relationship, like in Japan, mm-hmm. within, I would say, five years now France is welcoming Japanese cook to come to work in restaurants. Mm-hmm. And within 10 years, every restaurant where the star Michelin had Japanese chef in his kitchen, wow. everyone. And all the hotel, all the palace, all the restaurant who felt then in order to evolve within their own, they got to learn more out of their own cuisine. And that's what happened in Japan. And uh, so that was the 60s, the 70s. And Japanese came to France, not to become French chef, but maybe to be exposed to a cuisine with a relation with theirs a little bit. A fusion of balance. Yeah, what fusion yeah. is. And very much. And also ingredients. You know, cooking, it's all about ingredients. And I think uh, Japanese cuisine and French cuisine was always a lot about ingredients, yes. about technique, about seasoning, about finesse, and about sometimes the elevation of from casual cuisine to very high-end gastronomy. So what makes you... You, you left uh, French when so you were... as a young cook, you work and you start to see foreigners. And I work with some Israeli cook. Uh-huh. Uh, I work with some American. I work with Japanese. I work with Scandinavian. Spanish cook was starting to come in. Uh, no, all over France. I, okay. I worked in different parts of France. Yeah. We had some English chef. We had some Italian... And, and, you know, you, you meet those people and they're just cook. Uh, but they are starting to dream that one day they'll go back home and do something uh, with their own. And, and so, of course, you create relationship a little bit more for us. And, and uh, the chef and I was working... English, I guess. Yeah, also practice English yeah. also. And uh, part of my sort of tour de France as a young chef, I worked in the south of France. And so I, um, I moved to, uh, after Mougin, I wanted to go back to Lyon and do another Swiss star within the region of Lyon. And Roger Verger felt that I should travel and go to Denmark. So I'm now 21 years old, and he sent me to Denmark to represent his cuisine there and to be a, a sous chef in Copenhagen in a hotel called the Plaza Hotel. So this was pre 
sort of Scandinavian yes. uh, movement of cooking. Uh -huh. But you could tell there in Copenhagen how much young talent were birthing and how many young talent was starting to merge out of their education in France and their come back home. And, uh, and But it also makes you a super curious person to yeah, go and travel. Plus, plus to, to, to learn other culture, other cuisine. Uh, I traveled in Sweden. I traveled in wow. Norway. I wanted to be invited in people's home to see what they eat. Of course, um, my biggest thing also was everywhere I was, everywhere I worked, on my day off, I will go and have a nice meal somewhere. We were making no money, but we'll always find ways to go out and spend all that money on food. <laughs> so after a year uh, there, I helped a young uh, restaurateur. He was the son of a restaurateur who was opening his first restaurant. And he wanted to be a little more edgy and more artist. So it was kind of an artist studio yeah. and the restaurant inside. And we were doing very kind of not avant-garde food, but very sort of progressive for mm -hmm. the time. Uh, it wasn't really French, but it was a lot of food. Where was that? Uh, that was in, uh, with Jan Hortikal in Copenhagen. And that was the late 70s, early 80s. And um, we had a great success, and he, has, he still have a great success. He has a restaurant in Copenhagen. And uh, it was great for me to kind of break off from the structure of high-end restaurant, gastronomic restaurant, the brigade, yeah. and to the work in a place. of a Michelin. Yeah, and, and all hotels and all yeah. that, and, and, and work with someone who we were only three cooks in the kitchen and the owner and doing very... Uh, like spontaneous cuisine and uh, something very ingredient-driven from Denmark and all that. So that was very cool. But then after I got a phone call from a friend who say I got a job offer, and th that friend worked with me in the south of France, uh, Patrice, and he say I got a job offer to go to Washington, Washington uh, as a private chef, but I am married with three kids, so... I don't know. Uh, would you be interested, maybe? And I went to have an interview in Brussels to meet the future ambassador uh, in Washington. And there it is. So I, I, I moved I, to Washington in 80. What was the image of America in France then? Oh, America was, to me, it was a dream to a dream. work in America, at least. Not to live. I had no idea I was going to live here, mm -hmm. but at least to work, to discover. And um, So you moved to Washington. Yeah. Let's leave food for a second yeah. and ask you, how is it to just land in America? Well, as a what made me leave Denmark is then it was very difficult to be French in Denmark at the time. I was too remote from any French community who was big enough to feel like you were not totally disconnected yes. with your own country. And the language also, the language barrier sure. there was, uh, and they were French, they were French people, but not enough to me to make me feel that I, you know, I miss France in Denmark. And, and D.C. was different? I came to America, I never miss France a minute. Huh. So many French restaurants, so many French people in all businesses, uh, and bon DC also. It's uh, it's there's, I was living in the uh, diplomatic uh, circle, yeah. so of course there were a lot of French there. So how was America accepting you as a foreigner? 
Ah, um, I didn't have a single problem ever because I think in America, you cannot come to America and just take. You have to come in America and give. You have to bring something. You have to, yeah, I brought my knowledge as a chef. I brought my sort of vision as how can I transmit what I know? How can I give what I've learned? Uh -huh. And I think that's what's the most important here in this country is that you cannot just come and sit and wait and think that people's going to come to you, sure. people's going to support you. Yeah. You really have to bring something here. And if you bring something, it don't matter what you do, what you make. People will listen. People will appreciate. I, I, I come from the tech sector, yeah. and I feel the same. I mean, completely. Like, as long um, as you have a quality, I think there's no other place Maybe right. Maybe and, in the last year, yeah. two things are changing. I mean, I it's one thing not. to grow up in a country, and it's another to land in a country right. where you are an age where, you know, you may have to crystallize a solid position quickly. And for me, coming as a young chef, I always felt and I wanted to continue to bring something. Did and you miss home? Did you miss Lyon? Did you well, miss yes. the smells? So after a very good run, I arrived in 82 in New York, October 82. Mm -hmm. And with What age? You are 30. Uh, no, 27. 27. Yeah, 27. And so that was the Dinkins kind of years where New York, the late 80s, was pretty bad. Uh -huh. I had a daughter who was born in 89. And uh, we felt, well, as long as she's a baby, it's fine. But do we really want to raise that kid here in New York? Yeah. Or is it the opportunity to go back home now? And uh, 88, that was the big crash. And, or 89, the crash of 89 and all that. We felt like, you know, do we want to leave the stress of this city? Or mm -hmm. do we want to go back home? And I kind of prospect for two years to look at restaurants in Lyon and going back. But then I was already too, I, I, I was certainly too engaged, but also too passionate about what I've done here in the 10 years. Then uh, it made me felt like I should not quit. I think it's better to stay here. I was starting to work on a cookbook. I had a newsletter. I, I knew basically everything I earned as a young chef accolades and you know I was already voted best chef New York by James Beard so uh, you had your own restaurant no um, I was the chef at Le Cirque then that but was I, before I wore, yeah, yeah but I won many accolades like you know food and wine 10 best chef yeah. and all that so um, but I didn't mind I felt like if well, I'm gonna go back home it's now or never Were you known in France when you succeeded here or you became more well-known in New York? I was not known. I was known in Lyon and I was known by many chefs who I worked with and all that, but I didn't have really yet a reputation. So your success was actually in New York. It was already starting to crystallize there, here in New York rather than yes. in France. And then when I decided then that would be New York, then I started to raise money, find a space and open my first restaurant. So that was 25 years ago. 26 years ago now. And that was really the, Daniel was the biggest kind of... Uh, That's when we, uh, 1993, we opened Restaurant Daniel, my first restaurant, and it was just a crazy, crazy fun place. Mm -hmm. And uh, where we were pushing, I mean, of course, uh, I always, I'm driven by 
pressure. So I, I love that. that. The more pressure I get, the better I... The more I, focused you become. <laughs> yeah. and, and so, you know, when the restaurant is super busy and the accolades, are, even if you get the punch sometime, you know, it's okay. You take the punch. How much of Danielle was a French restaurant versus a New York restaurant? Well, I think it was definitely... It was very French because of the staff, the uh-huh. the core. So I mean, the staff was at was the time. At the time, the staff I would say was almost seventy percent French. What language is in, is in the kitchen? Uh, mostly French and English, but with a lot of French okay. and Spanish also. But okay. uh, for whoever was speaking Spanish, but you know the the young American chef who wanted to work in a French restaurant, they didn't mind to learn French. Also, they wanted to That's kind of amazing. pick up French as well, and so. Um, Danielle from the get-go was very busy, very successful, and then I started a catering, and then, uh, strangely enough, the restaurant that was the chef for six years at Le Cirque uh, decided to move to a new location, mm-hmm. and the hotel where the Le Cirque was uh, on 65th Street, they decided to close and sell it and make a condominium. Yeah. And that's when uh, the developer approached me and said, would you like to come back to the, the location yeah. where you had great success and take the space? So after four and a half years of Danielle on 76th Street, where Café Boulou is now, I uh, kind of stopped the restaurant in full run and moved it. But that was kind of a good move also 20 years ago. Was, was the Upper West move. Side uh, French as it is today? Uh, well, yeah, the Upper West Side, but, uh, you know, the, they, they were pocket of French. Like we, you know, we speak about, uh, you know, New York was made of communities. Yeah, and I those think it communities, still is, Yeah, it's still very much. And, yeah. and you could go to Forest Hill and there were a lot of French living there uh-huh. who all came during the warfare, I guess. They, they came during the warfare and they opened restaurants and they created restaurants and they created this entire community of... French restaurant, French chef, French uh, waiters, and and lived old in Queens. They all were taking the subway to live in Queens. Uh, so you start to have kids in the U.S.? Yeah. Did you ever ask yourself on the way, who do you want them? Like, were you comfortable with them becoming full American? Was it important for you that they speak French? I can tell you I have two kids. Well, uh-huh. I'm fighting on them speaking Hebrew, and it's hard. Mm-hmm. Of and course. Did it matter to you? Uh, well, uh, my daughter, who uh, at the time, so she grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. She was born in New York. Yeah. Uh, she's 28 now, going on 29. And she and she went to the French lycée from the age of three to the age of 18. And Why while, did you choose that? Uh, because I think we both, my wife and I, were speaking French. Uh-huh. So we felt, and also for her cousin in France for all her family home it was very important that she understand the language perfectly and could communicate perfectly and I would have not made her French if she didn't speak French because I felt you don't deserve to be a you know you can have both citizenship oh yeah they're Americans <laughs> yeah though they're American that's clearly but, but if you want it, another you... citizenship you better speak the language <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think it's also not only a citizenship it's it's, it's you know a, a part understanding of, a part the roots the and, yeah the heart yeah. And, and so she's uh, working in Washington D.C. because she loved to work in the world of politics and all that so 
she's very American when it comes to that. But uh, she is still uh, thankful that we gave her a French education because at the end it's a, it's a dual education. Mm -hmm. It's totally an American education and a French sure. education. What do you at miss? At least two weeks. Besides family. Um, I think what I miss is the, the pace of life which you can have in your hometown, in your, in your own world, then in New York is very difficult to, yeah. to find. Uh, I think in New York, you are always struggling to stay strong at the top. And it's, I mean, it's uh, very motivating and it's very rewarding. But at the same time, uh, when I go to France, uh, I live like a bum and I'm happy, you know, in my little farm with my parents. I'm, Take a shower if I want to. Uh, <laughs> do you miss the weather? Or did you I mean, in a sense that I, I don't live like a bum, but I, I, I do sort of like cut off totally. And that I think is very good. And also, I think the not everything is perfect today in France. Neither many countries have changed. And it's always challenging to see then, you know, evolution is not always perfect uh, in every country. But I think in America... I always felt good about. Uh, do, do you feel that something being, negative is happening around the attitude through immigrants as a whole globally? Because France yeah, and the United I mean, States, I yeah. think, have voices that I never heard before. I know. And that's oh, totally, uh, absolutely, and that is very scary. And it's so important to be able to have a multicultural uh, community and where everybody is accepted for their value and for their belief and all that. And you also and cook with a lot of other foreign <laughs> chefs, right? I mean, you cannot imagine the chefs. There is never animosity against your religion, your country, your language. In, your, the, in the culture of food. In of the culture of food. It don't matter which country we go as long as we speak the language of food and we share the food together. And it's what maybe make people the, the least concerned with everything else. If I need to go to the last two minutes so far, because I, I know you need to live, I'll ask you two things. I'll ask you what's American about you and what's French about you? Yeah. Um, both, I think, is my sense of generosity, maybe and passion. I think uh, my passion for French cuisine, uh, for sure, and my passion for America, mm -hmm. and everything who is not only cuisine, culture, and communities, and, and how they manage as a community to kind of self-support each other sometime on cause. Uh, I mean, I'm the co-president of City Milan Wheel, uh, which is a charity yeah. in New York. We serve 18,000 meals a day to elderly Amer yeah. uh, New Yorkers. And I feel it's a beautiful thing to be part of. It I is. think education, it's a very important thing here. And we try to help support young chefs as well. So that's my generosity side in the sense of making sure that I'm involved with the community, yeah. involved with the education and passion is also, yeah. yeah. I, I think you got you, you were just born with passion. But the last question I'll, I'll ask you, a lot of people, will, I guess, will hear us that are not living here and are not French and are not American. Okay. What would be the best advice you would give foreigners on pursuing a dream and, and, and moving? Like I say, if you dream to 
move into a new country, you have to bring something to that country with you. You have to be able to bring something. It's your craft, it's your knowledge, it's your energy, it's, it's whatever you're going to bring was going to give it back to you. And I think uh, what's important is to not be passive when you are a foreigner in a country. I think you want to be able to promote the country you have decided to live in. You want to be able to be involved with it. You want to be able to win rewards from it, I think. Uh, so you've got to open a, a place in your heart for the country you're coming to. Yeah, very much. And be ambitious for it. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I could not agree more. Daniel Boulou, thank you. Thank I you, love Ryan. your accent. It was amazing <laughs> to have you here. I like your accent too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Ron. Thank you so much. Thank you.